0: Welcome to the Peaceful Days podcast series, in collaboration with Life is a Hideous Thing, the official Dave Pibus podcast. Peaceful Records, a label that started in 1987 and remains fearlessly independent to this day, one which has never been afraid to take risks and do things differently. Its core mission, to always challenge and push the boundaries musically. I worked there from July 1990 to October 1993, been involved with some of the label's most influential signings. This episode of the Peaceful Days podcast series features Autopsy. to welcome Chris Reifer to the Peaceful Days podcast series episode 2. How have you been?
1: Oh, pretty good. Just getting over a cold, so if I get all gurgly, then just enjoy it.
0: I think the last time I saw you was in 2000?
1: Probably, yeah, in uh, Milwaukee. I'm assuming Milwaukee Metal Fest, right?
0: You Do you remember that? Um, Sort of. Yeah, so,
1: bits and pieces.
0: It's a long time ago, and I can't remember how I managed to find out that you guys were staying in a hotel that I could see from my balcony.
1: Yeah, that was pretty crazy. I think that was the one where like three of our guitars got broken through the airlines.
0: Like pre-mobile phone and internet, so I think someone told me that you guys were staying in a hotel, and I just went over there, like randomly, and asked at yeah. the, asked at the desk for you and Danny. And yeah, uh... no,
1: that was cool. It was a good surprise. And before that, I hadn't seen you since uh, <laughs> probably since we did that little uh, promo tour in Europe in um, '92 or something like that.
0: Was that with Darren from Anathema?
1: It was, yeah. Three of us trekking around Europe for uh, two weeks or so or whatever it was.
0: I was working with My Dying Bride 25 years ago, and I think you even predated that. Just after your first album, Seven Survival, had come out, and that was my introduction to Autopsy as a band, was I got down the office, and already you guys were in trouble with the first cover. Yeah. Uh, You remember that?
1: Yeah, yeah, very, very clearly.
0: And it was Kent Matthews' uh, cover, which, is that right? Is, is it Kent Matthews that did the first? It was,
1: and it's pretty tame by today's standards.
0: Yeah, but and this is the thing, is me and Hammy couldn't really understand why the distributors were, like, having a problem with it. And I think, I don't know, it was kind of like on the back of Hellraiser, with the guys with the hooks all pulling oh, in. Oh, yeah, cup. it
1: was a total Hellraiser ripoff, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah and... Um, definitely.
0: I think some people were sort of, like, imagining that too much. It's like, you know, where's this going, like, ripping people apart? For me, that was the introduction to the band, and I was, like, having to push that <laughs> band cover around, and it was, like, it was difficult.
1: Oh, it got worse later.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, so I was... So, we'll, we'll Getting
1: come, off easy, man.
0: We'll come to that. But when, uh, I guess, Hammy had already sort of commissioned Kev Walker to do the uh, alternate cover, which is the guys on the operating table. Yeah, yeah. L- looking back, I mean, do you, do you have any distinct memories of, one, you know, like, why that happened? Why, why it got banned?
1: Well, I don't think anything cataclysmic happened. We just, you know, I heard from Hammy and he said, "Oh, we're having a problem getting this record out cuz distributors are freaking out over the art. How would you feel about an alternative cover?" And that was, you know, it was the press played it up, you know, more than than what it was. It wasn't really that big a deal, but for us it was cool, you know, it was like another cover. Cool. All right, we're going to have two album covers. This is great. You know, now they both get used to this day. So we thought it was awesome. I mean, you get a little bit of notoriety and, you know, also a, another chance to have some cool artwork and stuff. So it was it was win-win for us, you know. I mean, it definitely helped get the name out more than the uh – Distributors intended, I'm sure, you know, like a lot of the time when things get banned or, you know, get some bad rating or something that just curiosity level skyrockets, like, oh, well, I got to see what this is, you know, so, you know, as usual, that kind of shit backfires.
0: Because <laughs> I was just watching a YouTube video of Kent Matthews, um, and it's, it's, this must be going back to right back then, but he, he holds up um, that copy of uh, the one that got banned.
1: And, oh, okay. yeah, he got it back then.
0: <laughs> well, the guy said uh, the guys interviewing him sort of generally said like you know what, what she thought on like censorship, and he said well the record companies are not helping things by actually like wanting to go along with like changing the covers to back it up. I mean it was the distributors that really were refusing to touch these covers, not us. We were actually yeah, yeah. in agreement to what you just said. We were actually happy to get the bad press. Um, oh, totally.
1: Yeah, it gets everyone really wondering
0: like you say two covers is another chance to you know do two campaigns i guess to sell the record so we were happy i don't know we were happy with anything <laughs> we were I mean, always if,
1: if you could go back in time and show pictures of all the tattoos people have gotten of both covers yeah. <laughs> you know it would blow your mind like what
0: pretty crazy also
1: you know, man it sure turned out great
0: yeah and kev walker is actually i mean i i was in touch with kev um uh, recently about a podcast episode and um he, I don't know, he's, I, I guess he's always been a recluse because he's so busy with his work he does 2000 AD now and Marvel and he's, he's really taken off um, Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure whether you're in, not, not in touch with him, but you know what I mean aware of his work You, uh, just...
1: you know what, we're actually uh, about to work with him again doing, um, <laughs> you know, I don't know if this is privileged information or whatever but Peaceville's doing a box set um, right. of autopsy stuff and we're getting Kev to do the cover
0: I guess when Kev did the reissued cover of Severed Survival. We were very, very happy with what we got, because then we could move on to the, the next sort of phase, get you guys on tour, and that's when I first met you guys. You were on tour in England for like a week, maybe ten, yeah, yeah. ten shows, and uh, I remember you playing in Bradford. Uh-huh. Uh, we had a we had a good time. It was funny.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that tour. Uh, I remember all the tours, yeah.
0: I guess with Kev Walker then, we actually tried to get Kev... Um, commissioned to do the next album which was uh mental funeral. Yeah. Uh, and um I had I had way more input on that album as a graphic designer because my role at Peaceful had really sort of come together but I, I think initially I Amin mean wanted me to do the press and I fucking hated it. Um it was like begging people to like records. Yeah, yeah. Which you might have noticed. They all say are all classics now.
1: The, all these years later. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, the I remember Man, I remember seeing the worst reviews I've ever seen in my life from the British press when <laughs> we were putting those out in the tour. I remember that tour we did over there, we'd see like the review the next day in the newspaper, the show, and it was so bad, man. They just tore us up like mercilessly. And uh, it was, yeah. <laughs> Definitely not feeling super welcome. And uh, it's, it's kind of crazy how things go. I remember the German press was... Pretty brutal to us, too, you know, just, like, thinking we were horrible human beings because of our lyrics and stuff like that. Nothing to do with the fans, you know, at any of those shows, because they were cool, you know, but the press, man, they were just, they couldn't wait to hate us, man. It was nuts. It's just how it goes.
0: It was difficult for us back then to try and market some of this stuff, you know. It was like, we were just kind of ex- sort of experimenting with a lot of it, you know, and trying to come up with, g- not gimmicks, that's kind of the wrong words, but you know like selling points and and like when you guys got the band cover that was great but the mental funeral was a big push for us like as a a, you know like a big i don't know like a we were more together we were more ready for that and it didn't get banned (laughs) we were like oh yeah
1: yeah yeah right
0: it was like damn kev did a great job of that and that was one of my first jobs i put together for you guys i was gonna ask you who, who did the cover for retribution for the dead
1: that was rob moore the guitar one of the guitar players from sadus at the time we would hang out with him all the time but with all those guys we used to always hang out together and he had uh, recently got into airbrush painting and um his house he, he had like airbrush paintings everywhere that he'd done and he did some really cool stuff and we just said hey man want to do a cover for us for this thing he said yeah and that was it
0: did you ever see the original
1: Oh, yeah, of course, yeah, because we, we used to hang out together all the time back then, you know, like, us and Sadis were, like, super tight, you know, we hang out all the time just for fun.
0: Because I remember in the office we got it delivered through the mail.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah. This, yeah, this is back when you had to actually, like, mail the, the paintings themselves.
0: Yeah, and it was huge. It was actually, like, I don't know, it was, like, six foot by six foot.
1: Yeah, probably. Man, I've seen a tattoo someone got that where that painting is, like, the whole... Half of their upper torso. It's wow. fucking bonkers. Yeah, I'm like really, you know that's not going to come off, right?
0: <laughs> but you can imagine me trying to get that thing into my car, trying to oh, get yeah, it, trying yeah, to get yeah, it over yeah. to the to the printers to get photographed, and then it come back as like a two inch slide. Uh, yeah, and we could actually manipulate it then. But um, yeah, it was it was crazy having these like huge covers sitting around in the office, and uh, I think Dark Throne's first album cover was uh, the same, Soul Side Journey.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, that was a good cover too. I like
0: that one. one. One of my angles, actually, working with you guys, and and it was the first time I could do that as the graphic designer. I started fiddling around with some of the uh, sort of variations on the records to make them more collectible in the future, and I didn't ever think it would ever mean anything. But right here, I've got two copies of the CD version of Retribution for the Dead with different coloured labels. One's green and one's blue.
1: Oh.
0: Uh, yeah. Um, and I, don't came...
1: th- I don't think I have the green one.
0: Yeah, so it must be ultra rare. And I think what I was doing was the first press in had come out, and it had obviously sell out straight away because it was the first one. And I'd just cha- I'd, I'd call up the printers and change the color of the label, and then it had come like a month later when you know the repress came, and it was like holy shit, that's that's like really collectible now. The first, I guess it, I can't tell which is the first one, but I was kind of like thinking for the future. Like uh, you know, this could be cool if I could change the colors of everything.
1: Wasn't there like a red vinyl of Fiend for Blood or something like that? Or?
0: I'm having a look. Um,
1: I, I can't remember. I don't. I definitely don't have the green label Retribution for the Dead. So where's my copy?
0: Well, I probably. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking. I'm now looking in the vinyl. It's it's black. No. It's black. Oh okay. <laughs> but um, Mental Funeral was red. It says, oh, is it red or green? Oh, it's green, it's like slimy. It yeah, was a green one, slimy green, and um, yeah,
1: I've got that one still. I think I'd, I probably have every version of everything, most likely
0: somewhere. And we were getting like versions because we signed a deal with some company in uh, Brazil or something, and they were sending like different versions as well. So we were like, "Oh, cool, we're getting like 4 Wasn't for...
1: that Cogamello or something?
0: Yeah, something like that. But um, I wanted to chat to you as well about your logo. Because while I was working with you guys over maybe five, six releases, your logo changed like three times.
1: Yeah, uh, we've got a whole bunch of logos.
0: Yeah, and the one on, I guess, Severed Survival and Mental Funerals, the one that you would refer to as the classic one.
1: Yeah, that's the one we've, we've come back to the most.
0: Yeah. Um, it's funny because, like, who did that album cover that was really nice? Uh, let me just check out his name. It's it's one of your recent ones. Uh, Wes...
1: Oh, Ben's- West Ben Scotter? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, he's great.
0: I, I didn't even know you guys had like reformed, and I was on tour, and we were doing a show with Volbeat. You know him?
1: Um, I'm not familiar with them, no.
0: But they're kind of blown up, and um, the singer was wearing an autopsy shirt with this really, oh, nice. yeah, the really fucking nice artwork, and I was like, dude, I used to work with them. Well, Where, where's Kent Matthew from?
1: I believe he's living in Florida now. He he was in Berkeley, which was cool. Because uh, at that time, we would just drive over to his house and hang out and watch him paint, you know, and he'd show us stuff like progressions with the covers, and we'd just hang out and talk and hang around and stuff, and, and that was cool. And then he ended up moving to L.A., and uh, we started to lose contact a bit, and then he moved to Florida, and we really lost contact, and then we actually got back in touch a few years ago, and he did the uh, Born and Dead uh, DVD cover for us.
0: He's done some classic stuff like Sorder and Exodus. I think he didn't possess Steven. I was really impressed with the...
1: Yeah, he did that, yeah, Forbidden. He did the uh, lobotomized album cover recently too, which was really cool.
0: Yeah, he's still going at
1: it. I don't know how often he does covers these days. I mean, we haven't been in touch all that much, but he's, he's still doing it and he's still got it. He's still going.
0: I remember when Mental Funeral came out, I was, like I say, it was one of the first covers I actually did the whole thing for. And looking back at it now, the back is a complete mess. It's like different fonts and, like, I think you might have done some of the lettering yourself. Did you ever, do you remember doing that? Like, the actual... Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, I did, like, the lyric sheet on the inside and I think I did, like, the little poem on the back.
0: Because I used to love that and um, that became more used further down the line with Axe and the Unspeakable. Axe and the Unspeakable was, like, again, an album that we really wanted to push because we got Caroline Records distributing us in America. The label manager was Lyle Preslar from Minor Threat.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. I do remember that.
0: Yeah, and I, I'd been working with him for like a year before I realized. I was like, Lyle, Caroline, are, are you Lyle Preslar? And he went, Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, he didn't go around, you know, touting his uh, no, history or anything like that. You know, just right down to business. They wanted. They want to hear that you live in the the sewer and you're like feeding on rat carcasses and things like that. Well, Chris. So that's actually what I do.
0: Chris Riefer obviously does that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, definitely. I mean, what do you think?
0: I mean, obviously Fiend for Blood was, I think, your first release on Caroline. And it, that was kind of like an, a straightforward cover. We had no problems with that. Uh, um, really? No, John, John Chandler just sent us the artwork and we just put it together and it oh, was... Oh,
1: no, you're talking about Fiend for Blood now.
0: Fiend for Blood, sorry, yeah. And, I say, like,
1: actually, on Spiegel, there was definitely problems with
0: that one. No, that's what I'm saying, is that Fiend for Blood was pretty straightforward to deal with, with, uh, yeah. with, with Caroline. And uh, it kind of, I don't know, it kind of led him into a false sense of security. Because...
1: Uh, uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> whose idea was it to do Acts of the Unspeakable artwork?
1: Um, I'm trying to think how that whole conversation started. I know that Kent was not into the idea originally. Um, I know Kent was definitely reluctant. And then he started thinking about you know, like Bosch and stuff like that and horrific artwork goes way back in history. And you know, when he looked at it from that perspective, then then he got excited, and he just made it worse and worse and more disgusting, you know, toward the point where we were like, damn, Kent, <laughs> cool, this is this is horrifying, keep it going, man. Once he got in the mood, then we couldn't stop him, you know, and he he outdid us for some ideas, some really gruesome stuff in there.
0: When it first came, we were obviously like, wow, this is actually very nice. It was very well put together, and we liked, we loved it. And... You know, we had a little meeting in the office, kind of, you know, knowing that the distributor was obviously going to straight away go, nah, this is going to be a problem. We had to, I think, we were going back and forth with you guys straight away about that, and we were disappointed because we loved the artwork. As a a gatefold sleeve, that would have been, even now, would have been awesome. Oh, yeah. And then when we came down to it, just choosing what is actually the cover these days, we were, I don't know, we were a bit, like, flattened by it. It was like, it's just not as good.
1: Oh, what actually ended up on the the very front?
0: Yeah, and we we couldn't really choose much. It was like <laughs> all of it's disgusting.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. That's. I mean, nowadays it would be different. If you take almost any like Cannibal Corpse album cover, for example, I mean, you can get away with pretty much anything now. But at the time, yeah, that was tricky.
0: It was pretty difficult, and I think Caroline. I don't know. They were looking at it, going, "Oh my God, this is this is great." You know, we can use this, but we can't use the whole cover anymore. It's just terrible. So we obviously embedded it into the gatefold. If, I don't know if you've got the CD version of Acts of the Unspeakable. Oh, of course. So if you open up the uh, inside of it, on the lyric sheet, which you'd nicely written out, there's like a, an image in the background of a, a gouged out body. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, I remember you putting that in there and us approving heartily.
0: Yeah, because I, I was stuck for some... it just looked plain white and I thought, you know what, that kind of... we need to be a bit more like arty here, art. And I was studying anatomy at the time and I got this like really old fashioned like art book. Of like uh, anatomy plates. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. And I remember sending you that picture, and you were like, "Dude, I want to use that. It's fucking awesome. Go for it." I was like, yes, "Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm now an artist." <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know why it didn't make it onto the vinyl version. I don't know why.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I just thought the vinyl CD versions were cool, so I wasn't complaining.
0: I think it was Kent who did the, um, he did the logo. So that the logo had obviously changed a couple of times at this point. Uh huh. And, and he'd done this new sort of more modern like type of logo um which i don't know you guys don't use that anymore i guess not
1: so much i mean it could be used again someday i mean we made like some bumper stickers out of it it didn't get used all that much but that's how it is i mean we have some logos that we used you know maybe once and then like the the quote-unquote classic one we've used a bunch of times and it's it's good to have a, a whole bunch in the back pocket for you know whatever occasion comes up
0: i guess what, you and Danny are, are still playing together?
1: Yeah, and Eric, too. Yeah. And Eric.
0: Because I don't know whether Eric left for a while. I can't remember. It's been so long. But.
1: Oh, we just broke up flat out, you know, after the U.S. tour in 93. and then, I mean, we still did another album, which caused even more problems. But, yeah, no, we broke up for about 15 years, and then we got back together again, and we're still slugging away.
0: I wasn't involved with Shit Fun. yeah that
1: was a an interesting period of the band (laughs) do explain (laughs) um well it was weird in a couple of ways i mean number one we'd basically broken up but we figured you know we had a bunch of new songs already written and we didn't want to waste them and you know it was worth recording and so we you know wrote some more stuff and like i said we basically broken up but we figured we'd do another album and play a farewell show locally and kind of go out with our heads and uh, middle fingers held high. And so that's what we did, but just knowing that we broke up and we were just kind of in a funk and you know I don't know really how to explain it, but we didn't give a shit, you know? So that was, I don't know, I don't want to say that cover was a statement, but if we were in a different frame of mind, we probably would have done something else. But another thing was that it, about it was sort of pushing the gross factor because we got so much fuss over actually unspeakable, and that was a result of getting fuss from things before that. We're like, oh, you thought that was bad. What about this? And then with shit fun, it was like, oh, you thought Axe was bad. What about this? <laughs> <laughs> if, if we didn't piss you off yet, you know, we're, we're definitely going to do it now. So, you know, it was sort of the whole escalation of the gross factor. And we didn't care. We were breaking up and, you know, fuck it, man. The world can suck our dick as far as we're concerned. So... <laughs> And then um, the other thing was Peaceville had been sold to Music for Nations, and that was ultimate supreme disaster. They they wanted nothing to do with that album, Music for Nations. You know, it was that was it came to a time where they wouldn't even talk to us. You know, I'd try and call, and and they you know they wouldn't even print the song titles on the back of the album. They picked out like four of the tamest ones they could find, and you know, it said and many more. <laughs> you know, like what the hell. You know, and they wouldn't print the lyrics inside. It was just like the lamest packaging ever. It was just bad, and it barely even got released. They just were really eager to sweep it under the rug. So, I mean, it hardly even came out. But it, it's such a badass album, man. I mean, like the songs and all that, and even the production. It's just so ugh, filthy. You know, I, mean, <laughs> I, I just if I listen to it, I feel I need to like take my brain out of my skull and scrub it with steel wool before I put it back. So. Just weird transitions within the band and the label, and it was just a a strange, strange period. But I'm super proud of that album, and I'm glad we did it.
0: Like I say, I wasn't working at the label anymore when that came out. When I saw that cover, I just thought, fucking hell, they really have gone and done it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you're you're correct. Yeah, They've finally done it. But man, I, I love it. I'm glad we did it. And just the fact that we already split up, but we still resolved to hang out with each other and record a whole new album and do a show. I mean, that to me speaks volumes about how uh, die hard we were about the band and still are, you know, of course.
0: I know you've never not stopped playing.
1: Never taken a break in my life for even yeah. 30 seconds.
0: It's like, how many bands have you been in now?
1: I mean, you know, a couple of serious ones and then other kind of offshoots here and there, you know? I mean, it all depends on how you categorize. Keeping busy, you know, got Autopsy now, and then I've got another band I play guitar in and do vocals, got Violation Wound, and that's, like, just straight-up old-style punk and hardcore.
0: You have must have been over here with Autopsy as as you are now, like the newer version. You've been over to England?
1: Yeah, yeah, we played um, uh, Bolt Fest with Bolt Thrower, and Benediction and uh, Discharge and Valonfire and that was a hell of a show yeah I mean a lot of familiar faces and all that you know cause we hadn't been there in so long it's kind of like a little reunion and stuff And then, plus getting to play with all those bands again like Bolt Thrower and you know Benediction we played with them way back and you know old friends and I mean shit you know playing with Discharge too come on man I know, I mean, I know. How, cool, how fucking cool is that you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I started out doing the marketing for Peaceville and um I think some people refer to the three bands that are big on Peaceful Now with Paradise Lost, My Dying Bride, and Anathema. But when I was there, it was Paradise Lost, Autopsy, and Dark Throne. Right. And obviously, history's changed that now. It's like marketed in a different way. And it's, it's weird for me because, like, I was obviously involved with helping create all this stuff. Do you know what I mean? It was like, I, and I could tell you guys were all branching away from that. Even when we were coming up with the idea in '92, you guys were already like separating yourself. You weren't into that.
1: we were more into offending people.
0: <laughs> yeah, and just I don't know, be more puristic in in yeah, just being offensive, basically. Yeah,
1: I mean, just to you know get down to the the primal uh, base of it. Yeah.
0: But things have changed now. I mean, like you say, I guess shops don't stock every record that ever comes out, so they don't really worry about the cover now.
1: Uh, it's just I don't know it's the same stuff you like and stuff you don't like and that's pretty much it I mean, as far as I'm concerned I don't worry about you know I mean as long as our, our music's getting out there then it's up to people to decide whether they want to listen or not
0: with that sort of angle is like you know this is the most puristic kind of music you're going to hear because you know, it's coming from a different angle and um I don't know. It was very difficult sometimes to make people understand that.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's no you know hit singles in death metal or anything like that, so you got to approach it differently.
0: You know, we were peaceful after all. You know, we were like an yeah. under- underground label. Um, yeah.
1: Just- yeah. I know we weren't helping. Everything we did was wrong. We didn't go to morris sound or sunlight we didn't use dan seagrave for our covers and you know we didn't do anything that you were supposed to do i guess <laughs> so i uh, sure that didn't help anything either
0: and i think one of the things that stood out on that level was you know even when you guys played live you know you were playing the drums and people were surprised that you were singing as well tackling people's like preconceptions of like you know how to package stuff now Chris is just going to sit there and vomit now. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, do what I do best.
0: You still do all that vomiting, Malaki?
1: Uh, <laughs> I don't remember ever vomiting on stage. I mean, maybe after or maybe before, but not during. Are you sure? N- no, I'm reasonably <laughs> sure.
0: I remember you were eating something on purpose <laughs> to vomit.
1: Uh, never, never like full-on puke. I might have a few times like spit out some
0: <laughs> stuff or something
1: like that, just to. For entertainment purposes, but that was pretty much it. You know, mostly we just played our songs.
0: Yeah, and I guess now looking back, no, no regrets on uh, how it was done.
1: <laughs> not from, not from me. Hell no.
0: No, because like I say, that people are now calling these albums that we were working on classics, and I don't particularly see it like that. I, don't, I mean, they are classics to me, but I don't remember that many people being involved. So when people like wearing the back patch on the jacket, I don't think you ever bought it at the time. <laughs> It's hard to, hard to say. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm happy with how everything turned out and, you know, can't really think of anything to complain about. Everything we do, we do by feel, you know, nothing's ever um, strategic or anything like that or definitely a, a, a gut instinct band in every way.
0: I'd like to thank Chris for taking time out to do this episode of the Peaceful Days podcast series. The records I worked on were Retribution for the Dead, Mental Funeral, Fiend for Blood and Acts of the Unspeakable. All of which the original copies of are now quite collectible, but are still available. Cheers for listening. Thanks.